0: This week on Dave and Dom Demystify, we'll be talking about banking as a service. Now, as my French uncle Bear would say, <laughs> but it's an idea I very much like. Can't you just see the teller getting me tea and scones? The manager fetching me slippers. Dave washing my Bentley cup, dashing off to the laundrette to pick up me micro-stretch boxer briefs.
1: Absolutely
0: smashing,
1: Dave and Dom said.
0: It's all you. Pipe dreaming as a service.
2: From the studios of Contrarian, new media in the UK and US, comes the Dave and Dom Demystify show. The Dave and Dom Demystify Show, making a sense of the world of fintech and digital finance. Sit back and listen as the two Ds take a subject and chat it through to make it clearer and easier to understand. And now, here are your hosts, Dave Wallace and Dom Mystery.
1: Demystify. Hi there. So welcome to the show. And this week, Dom and I are going to be talking about Bank as a Service. So. I'm afraid to say it's another one which has got me slightly scratching my head. And it's gonna really be up to Darmish to kind of explore the topic with me and help me to really understand what Bank of a Service is all about. So I'm looking forward to getting to the end of this and being able to do a IGS G C S E in Bank of a Service. So there we go. <laughs>
0: so, I mean, look, we did have a good conversation. And for those listeners that maybe didn't pick it up, you know, pick up the Cloud Bank Demystified podcast because we covered a lot of ideas in that. And, you know, the banking as a service stuff is an evolution of that. So I would urge you to kind of probably start with that. But, okay. Dave, you're not too far off it. I mean, don't do yourself a disservice, I think. <laughs> You know, like I said, we create these things to make them look so complex so that we can charge consultancy dollars, right?
1: Well, yeah. So we were just chatting, though, because when we worked together many, many, many years ago, one of the things that we did was we developed a, and I think it was one of the first, actually, an HTML version of email, wasn't it?
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, my (laughs) mail.
1: Yeah, my mail. I think you were sort of saying, well, look, that was an example of a piece of software which we were kind of selling as a service in those days. So
0: so the mistake that we made actually the software itself was called HTML and our venture kind of partners lnxpcs pcs basically owned this ip and essentially allowed you to run a mail service over the web.
2: Right? right?
0: And they wanted us to sell that. So instead of, you know, having your own mail within a private network, you could get your employees to be able to access their email across the network. Now, bearing in mind that doesn't sound like rocket science now, but this was back in 96. When I saw it, I was thinking, wow, this is amazing.
1: Oh, I, well, it was truly amazing. Because as you say, in those days, you know, we had some very clunky interfaces to email and suddenly there was this sort of actually quite beautiful interface to email on the web. I remember that at that stage, I think it was Dixon's launched a free ISP because in those days that was a sort of major kind of differentiator. And we end up talking to them about actually offering MyMail as a service that they could bolt on to their free ISP.
0: Yeah, I mean, we made the classic mistake of trying to sell HTML as a software solution so that people could run it on their own kit in their own environments as an email service for their employees, right? And then, you know, about 12 months later, we started to realize, oh, actually, if we hosted it ourselves and provide it as a service to other people, that would be more compelling because they don't have to set up, buy the kit and run it for themselves. And that's when we launched MyMail. Unfortunately for us, what really killed us was the launch of Hotmail.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, Hotmail just completely proved the point, didn't it? Yeah.
0: Basically, Hotmail killed the evolution of MyMail. But the leap was going from selling software that you installed on your own equipment to run something like an email service to then having it hosted and then letting somebody else run it on your behalf. That's really software as a service.
1: Okay, no, so again, it's interesting because the license was not with the user, it was with us as the provider. Yes, yeah. Okay, that's good. I mean, just as an aside, we also worked on something called Online Tribe, didn't we? Do you remember, do you, do you remember Online Tribe, which is about connecting people with their friends in an online community? And uh, yeah. we yeah. never quite got that off the ground, but this was pre-Facebook days. There are many times when I kick myself (laughs) because.
0: Or we wanted to kick other people. (laughs) Anyway,
1: but going back, you made a
0: really good point there that actually we own the license for HTML and we ran it for other people. So basically, people were paying us not only for running the email service, but for the software itself. Right. Right. So now, when we think about banking as a service, to answer your question, You've got three things going on in effect, right? You've got the actual kit or the cloud environment. So it's either Google, Microsoft, AWS, somebody providing the cloud infrastructure. Now, part of that typically will be, you know, the platform services as well, things like the database and the operating system, etc. The next level above, just like mail, is the banking software. Right. Right now... Google and Amazon and Microsoft aren't providing that. You've got people, new players like Thought Machine or Mambu or Vodeno, people like that are providing a cloud-based service on top, but they're providing the solution. Yes. So ju- exactly like Mimo, right? But, however, when we get to banking as a service, there's more depth to it because this is actually somebody running the bank for you. So it's not just running the software for you and you take responsibility of the compliance and the regulation and having your own license, but somebody with their license running banking for you, right? Okay. So much more like in the very early days of, you know, Tesco Bank and the retailers that basically partnered with banks and then white label their service through those people.
1: Very similar to that, right? So yeah, Tesco's bank was for those people who are not in the UK, was a white label version of RBS, wasn't Correct. it? Correct. So they basically took the infrastructure and sort of built the front end and the proposition around another bank or a partner's kind of infrastructure, didn't they? So
0: Exactly. And they
1: ran basically
0: the partnership with RBS was RBS had the banking license and they ran the core banking system they handled all the compliance requirements, etc., etc., and effectively ran Tesco Bank. Tesco Bank really was the distributor of the financial relationship.
1: Okay, that's right? interesting. So I think another example may be first direct with HSBC. Where you've, I mean, I think there's a kind of closer mm. alignment, yes. but it's a sort of different proposition, but running on the same infrastructure. But I guess what they're not is they're not running kind of as services in the way you were describing in terms of my... So, and this is, I guess, where I get slightly confused, is Tesco Bank has an instance of the bank. You know, it's talking directly to the kind of legacy systems of RBS. It's just providing a sort of different front end rather than providing kind of added value through the bank itself. So
0: Exactly. So in this model... The manufacturer is RBS. On their platform, their core systems, you can create an account, etc. So Tesco's would say, I want to run a current account and I want a loan account and I want a savings account. These are the parameters or the product configuration I want to sell to my Tesco clients. Tesco's are responsible for all of the onboarding, handling the client relationship, but the moment that they've done all their due diligence on the customer, etc. and they actually want to open an account, that data is passed to RBS, who on their system will create that account and then run that account. All of the compliance requirements are then handled for the account by RBS.
1: Got you. So it really is a bank as a service, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So exactly. That's, OK, well, I was confusing myself, I think. From what I understand, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Tesco Bank is a joint venture between RBS and Tesco. So there is a kind of legal entity which is there, I guess what we're sort of starting to see is people like FIDOR who will offer you the bank license and you can build it not as a joint venture, but as a sort of separate entity, a kind of bank on top of their system and, you know, market that and they just provide the software and the banking license and all the other bits and pieces. So they're like HTML, as you described it in the earlier example, in terms of they own the license.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a banking as a service provider, you have the license and then the full stack solution running in the cloud. Now, you might decide to build that yourself like, you know, Starling have, like Monzo have, right, N26 have, or you might be able to use a solution like Thought Machine or Mambu. Okay. And then you'll also, you know, choose a partner for the cloud. Now, in the case of Bank of America, they've done the whole thing themselves and built their own kind of cloud infrastructure and built their core banking solution and now provide it as a service.
1: Yeah. Okay. I've been reading about Moniz here and I think they seem to be a very interesting, interesting company. But I think from what I understand, they don't own a banking license in terms of what they do. So they're an example of a company which sits on someone else's infrastructure but providing a separate brand.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you look on FinTech Futures' website... You can see a list of all the neobanks that they've kind of identified and they keep adding to the list. There's something like over 200 listed as neobanks, right? And, you know, that's quite fascinating because when Metro Bank launched in 2007, they were the first new licensed bank in over 100 years in the UK. Yes, yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, But now we kind of think there's 200 other banks. Actually, actually, that's not true. Because if you go to the Bank of England website... And you can see the list of newly licensed banks. Well, yes, Starling is there and Monzo is there, but not many of these 200 are there. There's actually just over 20, 25 new licensed banks. Oak North is one of those, right? But not all of these. And so the vast majority are sitting on top of somebody else's license. Okay. The other thing that we should mention, right, and I think is also part of the bigger opportunity with banking as a service is that you don't have to take the whole thing. You know, understood by the software companies, but not necessarily always understood by the banks, is that somebody might not want to provide a full banking service. What they might want is the bank to undertake AML for them. They might ask the bank to
1: do credit checks for them. So AML um, is uh, anti-money laundering, by the way. So.
0: Correct. Sorry. I, um, no, no, no worries technology. at all. No worries at <laughs> all. We love the yeah, act. No.
1: So, you know, it
0: may be any part of the banking Capabilities that could be provided as a service, and therefore you're not even providing a full banking service to be a customer of a Baz banking as a service provider.
1: An immediate thought is: if I'm a HSBC or Lloyds or a Barclays, why am I not sitting there going, "Well, there's a massive opportunity and revenue stream around offering my services out through other people."
0: Yeah, a really interesting point, and this. In the mid-90s, when I was at NatWest Bank, I presented an idea called Franchising Banks. Basically, banking as a service, right? I wrote a letter which basically said, you know, we have massive hardware, we have great software, we can run a bank, but why don't we do it for other people? And the important thing was this response. Once the bank declined, I also presented to the board of Halifax. I got a wax sealed envelope from RBS saying that they wouldn't do it either. (laughs) But the common thread amongst this stuff is that we own the customer, the brand for the customer in terms of banking. Why would we want other brands to leverage what we do really well, right? So this whole notion that the brand is associated with banking, customers want to do banking through our brand was the reason why they never really pushed out that service. Now it's a different world, right?
1: Fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it sort of feels like that is old thinking and actually, you know, the opportunities to kind of get more customers or engage with customers through different brands, I think, must be something that the banks, well, if they're not thinking about it, they should be thinking about it right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, we learned the same lesson, but, you know, 20
1: years ago. Yeah, well, yeah, well, we could have been I'm gazillionaires like... if we'd followed <laughs> our dream, but we didn't. So.
0: But that was the lesson that we learned out of HTML and MyMail, right? right. Was don't sell the software, sell the service, right? Definitely. And if we'd have done that soon, well, you know, we'd have been gazillionaires.
1: Definitely. Right? The pennies drop, so thank you. And I think using MyMail as a kind of way to explain it was brilliant, so thank you.
0: And now Dave and Dom present the Tweet of the Week. What's that you hear in the Twitter sphere? Don't you fear, Dave and Dharma? Here to make it clear. Take it away, boys. Miss.
1: I think before we wrap up, there was something that I noticed on Twitter, which is you've been actively engaged in a conversation around wealth as a service. If you could, over a couple of minutes, describe the conversation and some of the things that you've been talking about, because that sort of seemed like a really interesting area. The wealth sector is a bit behind the kind of retail banking sector. And if there's a way of kind of generating services, that might be a way for wealth companies to move forward faster, quicker, better, you know. so
0: Yeah, I think conceptually banking as a service, this comes back to the point of, do I buy the whole thing? Do I have to just be a brand on top of somebody else's bank and provide full banking capability? Right. And the answer is no. And so for a wealth company to do wealth as a service... Typically, wealth management has been a relationship business, right? And it's done through a brand. It's the same argument that the banks had with me about franchising banks, right?
1: That's very old thinking. Okay. You know, COVID has done one thing, which is to stop people seeing each other face to face, you know. and I look at some of the things that I have in terms of portfolios that I hold, and what digital's doing is it's creating a lot more transparency. So I'm now starting to scratch my head thinking well, what is this wealth manager actually providing me? As a customer, there must be other opportunities which could be a bit more self-direct. Correct.
0: Yes. Yeah, I mean, so you're right. It's the brand that sits on top of the service that will own the client relationship, but you don't have to be running the software. And the point that I was trying to flush out in the Twitter feed really was that wealth is behind the curve on their thinking. There are tech providers running well ahead of the demand for wealth as a service that's the real point i think
1: okay no great 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 well listen that's been brilliant i've learned a lot today
0: and i love reminiscing about yeah
1: yeah, well we should be on a yacht somewhere basically but (laughs) anyway thank you so much take care cheers bye
2: thank you for tuning in to dave and dan demystify we hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault on SoundCloud. Be sure to connect with Dave Wallace and Darmish Mystery on LinkedIn. And until next time, ciao and have a marvellous week. The Dave and Darm Demystify Show is a production of Contrarian New Media, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.